Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Patreon is an incredible way for projects like this to get an extra boost. All you have to do is visit patreon.com slash theater in the now to learn how you can support the podcast. It's so simple to do. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's booked and blessed, she's a winner of all things, and she also happens to be one of the sweetest people in nightlife. It's the legendary Honey Davenport. Oh shoot, legendary just makes me sound old. No, not <laughs> at all. How are you? Great, great. Enjoying <laughs> this weather? I mean, it's kind of raining right now, yeah. but I mean, it's warm. I got on a light, you know, sweater. I yeah. stole this from Jace Vegas. Nice, I like it. (laughs) He left it at my house, he was hot, and I was like, mine. (laughs) I like it. Thanks. So, in this interview, we're just going to learn everything there is to know about Honey. Okay. So, let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? Originally from West Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, On the playground is not where I spent most of my days. (laughs) (laughs) I was more like uh, mama's boy in the house. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I'm originally from West Philly. But I have lived in New York City for over 14 years now. Amazing. Yeah, so since I was two. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And where did you go to college? In New York. I I moved here for for college. Awesome. Yeah. And what what brought you to New York? What was, of all the cities in the world, what what drew you to New York? Broadway, girl. I mean, I wanted to be a Broadway star. I mean, still do. It can happen. You never know. You know, Eartha Kitt. Peppermint's going to be on Broadway. Hello, Eartha Kitt got her first ingenue role at 40. I'm not far from that. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Yeah. What, What was the first Broadway show you saw? Uh, the first Broadway show I ever saw was Ragtime, original cast. It was oh, 13 nice. years old. Yes, ma'am. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to see that production, but I saw the revival. Um, oh, God, I don't even know how many years ago it was. But it was stunning. I saw Audra and Brian Silk's Mitchell, and I remember my mom, like, nodding off, like, midway through it. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was so embarrassed and in shock that somebody could witness, like, artistic brilliance and then be like... <sighs> And I was like, what? Yeah, (laughs) that would be a legendary one to remember. Right. It was kind of funny. My mom worked for a college at the time, and the college was having a fundraiser for their, like, theater department. And it was, like, a cookie dough sale. And it was like, whoever sells the most cookie dough gets two tickets to see a Broadway show in New York. Girl, I sold a solid $600 worth of cookie dough to everyone. And they were like, what? I was like, yes, ma'am. Take me to go see Ragtime. I was selling cookie dough to everybody. (laughs) So, when did drag into your life? Um, I was dancing, just having fun with my brother at therapy one night, um, and uh, the club, not like my therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peppermint walked up to me and was like, you guys, I'm doing a show at Lincoln Center. Uh, would you like to come be my backup dancers? And then we were like, Lincoln Center? Hell yes. So, um, we started dancing back up for Peppermint, which lasted about four years. Um, in the midst of those four years, uh, Sahara Davenport moved across the street from me uh, and moved in with one of my really good friends, Terry Lavelle, who was in the revival of Lacage, is right now on, uh, I forget which cruise line, but he's playing Spectra on a cruise line. He's a phenomenal drag queen. And I used to go over to their house all the time. And I met Deja Davenport, who is a stunning, beautiful woman. She does Laverne Cox makeup and all, a lot of celebrities. And she took me under her wing 
and made my face look like this. And, and Sahara, of course, was a major driving force in my career as well. She's like the best auntie. She was like always by my side, even like sometimes more than my drag mama. But <laughs> but both of them had a really good influence in me starting and Peppermint. So Amazing. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> How would you describe Honey in three words? Crazy, sexy, cool. Like, duh, TLC. Totally yes. right. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely crazy because I definitely have like a way of doing things and a way I want to accomplish things. And um, I will bend, but at the same time, I kind of don't really try when it's other people's direction. Um, <laughs> right? Um, and sexy. Like, most of my shit's about sex and cool because I'm a chill person for the most part. Yeah. What is the origin story of your drag name? Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, so after season two of Drag Race, I went to a book signing for RuPaul's uh, Working It. Uh, and uh, it was at Borders uh, when there were still bookstores in America. Wow. Right? <laughs> um, and RuPaul signed my book, but I asked her to sign it to me and my brother had a dance group called The Hunties. And I asked her to sign it to The Hunties, and I guess she misheard me and signed it to Honey. Um, later on and like that week my brother decided to not be a part of our like little nightlife dance group we had going on um it was like borderline drag really androgynous like always in heels and whatever he decided that he went, didn't want to do it anymore but we had a booking for 500 dollars, and that was like most of my part of the rent so i was like i'm gonna do this by myself and instead of the hunties i'll just be honey and of course my drag mama deja came in and got me together and so i became honey davenport incredible i mm -hmm. love that story how long does it take to transform into honey? I mean, it depends on how much time I have. I have gotten in drag in 13 minutes. That's real. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I prefer an hour and a half to two hours. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any drag inspirations? So many. Um, well, of course, uh, RuPaul. Uh, who doesn't? Um, but uh, from London, I'm a big fan of... Tasty Tim and uh, Dusty O. I heard she doesn't perform anymore, but just like stupidly polished. Um, the the queen who always owns my heart in life and in death is Sahara Davenport. She was the epitome of what I try to accomplish. Uh, a sickening dance performer, always dressed to the nines and painted for filth. Um, and then like my sisters really inspired me. I'm always really inspired by Brenda Darling. I'm always um, really inspired by Jolena Jasmine. Uh, so, like, a lot of my friends inspire me, too. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, I've heard a rumor that you just celebrated 10 years of performing in drag. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. That's an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, my ankles hurt. <laughs> <laughs> what has your drag journey meant to you? It's meant a lot because I feel like, you know, there's been several versions of Honey Davenport. Um there was the androgynous rock star with my own band, and I still visit that sometimes, and then it's the pageant queen, and I still enjoy that sometimes, even though I think I'm on a little break from pageants. And then, um, you know, there's the cabaret singer, Honey Davenport, and, like, I visited all of these different aspects of, of myself through my drag. So it's, like, not only been a journey for my persona, but a journey for me as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's, since you mentioned the pageant circuit a little bit, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, how did that enter your career well i mean the davenports are a pageant family Absolutely. uh and one of the things that sahara and i talked about before she passed was she's like i feel like one time you should just do it just like walk out and be like girl down and just like sell it and they're like and i'll help you and we'll turn it and actually before she passed um when she was sick 
I had signed up for Miss Stonewall thinking that mm-hmm. she uh, would help me with it. But instead, my sister Keisha Carr, who is another one of my inspirations, uh, and I pulled together a package and did a really sickening Miss Stonewall package. Uh, and that was my first pageant. Amazing. Yeah. Now, be humble. How many titles do you currently hold? Uh, I have one eighteen. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And where do you keep all the crowns, scepters, awards, uh, sashes? Uh, they're in a nice big old box in my storage unit covered in, uh, uh, what's it called? Bubble wrap. Uh, and then all of my first runner up crowns and um, first runner up plaques are in an even bigger box right next to it. <laughs> She's known for coming in first or second runner up, girl. It happens all the time. Now, are you going to have like a big wall display one day? I mean, yeah. I mean, you think Mariah Carey has some other bitches' pictures up? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and, we'll, and it'll be in a museum too. Duh, right? <laughs> um, I've never worn a crown before. Is there something powerful when it just sits on your head? Yeah, I mean, more importantly, that gag moment when, like, it's always the ones that I didn't think I win that I won. It's never the ones I'm like, bitch, I won this. It's the ones where I'm like, no way, this is not happening. Like, I remember, like, winning Miss America and legitimately almost passing out. I was like, what? Did y'all just say my name? Did Carson Kresley just call my name? Did that really happen? Like, it was like a blur. Um, and then there's ones, you know, I waited on it. I believe when you want something really bad, you go for it and see you get it. Like, Absolutely. I, want, I wanted to be Miss Stonewall so bad, I did that pageant four times. And I remember the night before, I was actually at Stonewall having a cocktail, and I was like, Mike Salinari, if you don't figure out a way to crown me tomorrow, like I will have an orgy with you and a whole staff, and I will be the only raging top. Um, but but when I won it, I was like, thank God I don't have to do this again. But yeah. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, you've slayed nearly every venue the city has to offer. Thanks. Is there any stage that felt most like home for you? The Monster is my home now, um, and it has been for the past five years. Uh, before that, there was, I mean, and I worked at the Monster and at No Parking at the same time. No Parking was home like no other place. I mean, it's still like a piece of my heart and a part of my drag. And the friends and the family I made there are still, you know, a, a piece of what I what I do. Um, it was kind of like the first, like, I was like their queen. And like I was yeah. sort of the only queen uptown because there wasn't much uptown. And now there's like boxers opening and da-da-da-da-da opening, which is sickening. But... It was, like, the only one, and I was, like, there almost every night. And, like, there were nights where, like, I'd be coming from downtown, and I'd be, like, I'm in this cab. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. And someone would come out and pay for my cab. And they just, like, took care of me. Like, I don't know how to buy groceries. Here's money for groceries, girl. Like, just anything. They were, like, real family to me. And that's important. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about a show you did recently, Mm -hmm. Trinkets. Yes. What was that experience like for you? It was incredible. I felt like I was the, like Cynthia Erivo of drag. Like I had the eleven o'clock number. Absolutely, you right? did. <laughs> it was a real. Did you see it? I did. Oh, awesome! I saw it actually the closing weekend. Um, but it was it was an experience for sure. Yeah, I mean, my hopes is that the journey for that is not over. Um, I talk to Paul all the time. He's another big mentor of mine. Um. Uh, and I actually just recently was homeless for a little while, and he uh, put me on his up on his couch, um, and uh, that was a real experience. But um, yeah, he wrote a beautiful, beautiful piece of work, and it was it was incredible to be a part of it. From like, like it, you know, I sing the song in the in the show, proud of me, and like that show taught me how to be proud of myself yeah. in a way that I never knew possible. 
Now, you were playing a character, but you obviously brought a little bit of honey into the character. A little. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not a transgender prostitute. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but it's not a stretch. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, there was definitely aspects of me, but uh, there were, I mean, I did a lot of research. I mean, I did everything except for, like, selling myself in the meatpacking right, industry. Right, right. I mean, probably wouldn't have been homeless if I did, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, there were a lot, I mean, I feel like there's always some aspect of you into any character you put, um, put on, or some aspect of somebody else. For me, how I, like, discover a character, it's either, like, it's always, like, someone I know, or somebody I've, I've known, where, because then it's, like, authentic, it's, like, I'm playing this version of a of a friend or a acquaintance or an enemy, whatever. Um, it's easier to portray because it's like I have a solid, uh, like, foundation to build this character. Yeah, and of. you had to originate the role, right? Which yeah. is really something special. Yeah. Are there any roles on Broadway that you would love to take on? I mean, duh, who doesn't want to be Lola? Yeah. Uh, I would love for that put it out in the universe. Uh, I haven't seen Head Over Heels. Uh, I'm excited for it. I don't know what Peppermint is doing in it, but she looks um, sickening in the pictures. She I've looks seen. so sickening, and I'm that, like, that Mama, when you're done, go ahead, hand those papers right over to me. <laughs> I could use another production contract. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's lots. Um, I would also just like to one day, and like you know how divine was you know and the turn black it was like she was just playing a female character that would be really cool one day to just play a role that's like not a drag role right? yeah like just playing a woman absolutely yeah let's make it happen universe hello <laughs> now music has obviously played an important part of your life and career mm-hmm. how did music fall into the world of honey it was always a part of it um when i was a kid i used to write songs all the time um and uh i'm I didn't really imagine that I'd sing them. I like wanted to be a songwriter. That was like my first <clears throat> that was my first passion. And then I actually came to when I came to New York, I came to school for theater, just like not mm-hmm. musical theater, but just like as an actor. Yeah. Um and I went to AMDA, which is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. But I was in the drama program and I was like, I feel like I'm getting shorted for my money because there's dance classes over here and voice classes over here and I can do all of those too. So I switched programs and then I mean, outside of choir and church, I had never really sang. So it was like the first time I like started singing, and then I started singing my own songs, and so that was a big part of it beforehand. But somehow, when like I put on a lash and a wig, we were like, "Oh, girl, go ahead, make music," which was really hard to accomplish yeah. before. Well, like the chicken and the egg is. Do the lyrics come first? Do the music come first? Does it come organically together? Um, I've experienced both. Uh, I've experienced both. My very first single, Porcelain Doll, I wrote it, and then uh, Boy Radio produced a track. Um, and then after that, for a while, I had my own band called Electro Honey. And those those tracks were produced and written by my band members, and then I would go in and we'd write lyrics together, but mostly me. Um, and uh, they were like giving me inspiration and things, and I would like turn it into other stuff. Um, and, you know, into future things where, you know, like, uh, when me and Orion did um, T-R-O-U-B-L-E, we like sat in the park and wrote and played his guitar at the same time. Um, so it kind of just depends on where That's it comes awesome. from. Yeah. Do you have like on your phone like uh, the notes like with all ideas for lyrics and songs? I always do. Like sometimes when I'm like 
stoned <laughs> or <laughs> drunk. I like write out a song or something, and then I go back and I'm like looking at my notes, and I'm like, oh, girl, that was good. Good thing you have that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So through your illustrious career, you've been fortunate to work with so many performers. Mm-hmm. Are there any New York City drag queens that you've yet to work with that are on your dream list? Suddenly Seymour. Right? I never worked with Suddenly Seymour. I would love to. That's She's a duet a I want to hear. Good old musical theater baby. Um, I think people always forget that I'm a musical theater baby. Um, but yeah, I've never worked with Suddenly Seymour. Yeah, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, summer is right around the corner, which means you'll be venturing out to the beach. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your gigs at Fire Island and Asbury Park. So, I am the current reigning Miss Paradise, and I'm in Asbury Park every Friday for my show called A Taste of Honey, which is a variety show, like kind of like Follies. Um, and I uh, bring in two guest performers, two to three guest performers a week. Um, and we do a big mix of all kinds of different drag on Friday nights uh, in the Copper Bar in Asbury Park at the Paradise Hotel, Paradise Nightclub, sorry. Um, and um, then on Saturdays, I am at the Ice Palace on Fire Island, where I'm a former Miss Fire Island, uh, and I do Spunk, which is a party that I do in the city as well on Thursday nights, uh, which is a big stripper dance party. But on Fire Island, we add like a special twist to it. Like our dancers do like numbers. It's kind of oh, like cool. Magic Mike esque. Yeah, oh that's fun. yeah. It's really really fun. Like we have a we have a you know we have forty dancers when we do it in the city, and we have like ten dancers when we do it on Fire Island. So it's like we nitpick the like special special yeah. special ones that aren't just like sexy and gorgeous because of their body. They're like sexy and gorgeous and. Um, and so we piece together a like show around it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I've never been to Fire Island. Maybe this Girl. is the summer I gotta go. I gotta do it. Girl, grab a bottle of Astro Glide and get on a Long Island Railroad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I like to play a little game on the podcast called Tea Time. Cool. And what I do is I'll give you some names of some of your sisters, colleagues, people who share the stage with competing Frenemies. against. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to spill some tea, share some stories, whatever you want to say about them. Work. All right. We're going to start off with Fifi Dubois. Oh, my gosh. I love Fifi Dubois so much. I count her Miss America. And let me tell you, there's nothing like a Miss America orgy. Ha. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Mansi Mandel. Oh, my God. I really, really have fallen in love with this queen. She, um... Her and I competed in Paradise together, which is a long process. Uh, you have to do a prelim first, and then there's months and months and months to the actual pageant. And we got so close during the prelims. Uh, she became a really strong sister. And then uh, I took I took the crown, and she got first runner-up to me, which I was actually quite surprised about because I thought that she was going to take it. Her talent was ridiculous. Um, we were points away from each other. Uh, and since then, I mean, while a lot of her friends felt the need to talk shit, uh, she has not been. She is a doll. When they call her the Asian doll, they are not kidding. She's a beautiful queen and stunningly beautiful, just talented. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. First time I've seen her was I was judging a week of Look Queen. Oh, yeah. And she was there. I was like, I was gagged. She was incredible. Everything. Stunning. And next, on the inside yeah. and out, too. Like, she's a beautiful person inside, yeah. too. Well, next up, we have Misty Mountains. Oh, that's my baby. That's my newest drag daughter. She is a star on the horizon. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see how extra this little weird horse is going to be and how <laughs> she's going to take over the city. I really predict that. That's And I, I saw it from the moment I met her. I was like... This is a super talent that just needs to be polished, and some things need to be added, and some things need to be taken away. And so, like, you know, uh, I forget who, who who made the statue of David. 
Oh God, um, Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. trying to be smart for a second. Yeah. Uh, he said, I, re- I do remember this quote, but he said, he said, I just removed the pieces of block that weren't David. I didn't create this statue. I just removed what wasn't him. And sometimes it's really important to know and drag that it's not always about getting something or accomplishing something or figuring something out. Sometimes it's about removing the things that aren't perfect. And I, I can't wait to see what happens when that happens to yeah, Missy Mountain. She, she's got such a great soul and energy. Just and Everything is like she's supportive. so good. Yeah, so good. So like polishing it up, it's just going to be like taking away little bits and pieces that don't need to be there and adding a couple more. And then it's going to be like, go slay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of slaying, Gilda Wabbit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love me some Gilda Wabbit. I love everything about her. She is, A, a phenomenal human being, uh, been a really good sister. Um, she's an, um, a mediocre bottom only because we had sex on the beach and it was sand <laughs> Um But, I mean, I'm going to give her a chance to, you know, repeat it. You know, when we don't use sand as loop and, you know. Truth, truth, <laughs> truth. Next is someone who's not a queen, but someone who is taking over the nightlife scene. DJ J. Clef. Oh, yes. I love him. He's like a big, he's like a DJ big brother. Um, I've been DJing for a while, but uh, when J. Clef came into my life, he like took my skill and honed it a little more. Still needs to do even more to me, um, <laughs> but uh, has always been my, my right hand man. Like whenever I'm spinning, it, you're, you're seeing like basically DJ J. Clef's music with Honey Davenport's face on it. <laughs> yeah, he, he is incredible. I mean, he's going to like all these bars and like helping them out and like he's at Rock Bar helping out with their mm-hmm. sound system and going to make that place good. I mean, <laughs> when you see me DJ or hear me DJ, it's because you're listening to the work that he put into me. It's awesome. I was an okay DJ before, but he like definitely elevated my craft. Awesome. Next we have Holly Day. Oh, that man. <laughs> She's actually one of my, like, good, 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 good sisters. Um, and it's random because we both worked at the Monster for many years. And I took over Spunk. It was mm-hmm. actually originally hers. And she does it on other nights. Um, and it was kind of funny because when it was a point where people kind of pushed, pitted us towards each other. And we had, like, one conversation. It was like, girl, no, I live for you. I was like, girl, no, I live for you. She's a hilarious, hilarious person who, like me, gets too drunk at sometimes, and I love her when she gets that way. (laughs) But, yeah, she's... And I would say this about Holly Day. I think that she is the most organized queen I've ever met. There's a reason why she has run Dragon the City for so long, and I do think that she really runs it. Um, Ever since Shaquita got fired from Queen, uh, she with Dallas took over, and then then, uh, she took over for Dallas, and she's been just an amazingly put together person yeah i mean she's made queen even more of a staple than even more of a staple next we have tammy spanks oh duh that's my ride or die um tammy spanks is a good girl to call in any any moment anytime she's a shoulder to cry on she is a sister of lift me i i can like just i can text her girl i need you and she's like where like she's like we're really really close friends and she's a phenomenal talent. Yeah, absolutely. Next is Pixie Aventura. Oh my God, that's a force of nature. She that sure is a is. force of nature. I she's another queen who I wish I could work with more. We worked together one time. I did her Barracuda show when it was on Sunday nights. Is she still there on Sunday? I think she still is. Yeah, I she used to have like used to like Pixie and Friends or something like that. And I I did it, I did it one time, and uh, she used to live up in Washington Heights, and I lived close by. Um, we came. I came over. We like came up with some choreography. She works super hard, um, and she's been in the game for a while. And you can tell because yeah. 
those performances are like, huh, work, girl. She's a spitfire. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Tina Burner. Oh, yeah, that girl. Um, Tina Burner is a monster <laughs> in every sense of the word. Um, but she is also just also like just a staple of New York City. Uh, the fact that she does everything on her own and... She's also really, really funny. And she is. she's really, like, I mean, not just funny looking. She's also, like, <laughs> really funny. I, I enjoy working with her so much. Um, it's an honor every time. Because I think, I think of Tina Burner as one of the, like, I think she's a staple of New York City. Absolutely. She's one of the people who will be a big legend like Bunny or Pep or, you know, like Flotilla. She'll, she'll be and, and is a big, huge New York name, you know? Yep. Next, we have Britta Filter. Definitely on that same road. I, I feel like with Britta Filter's career, even though it hasn't been long, it's been just like, boom. Like, she came out the gate and, like, ransacked this city. And every step and every turn of the way has presented herself as something phenomenal. I mean, she's Entertainer of the Year for a reason. I enjoy her drag so much. Uh, everything from... Head wrap down to shoe. I think she's just a good, good sister and a good performer. And speaking of her former co-host of Glow, Kareem McJagger. That's my daughter. That's my favorite person in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, Kareem like surpasses drag daughter. Um, he, he, she. I never know. I depend on depending on the day what I address them as. Um, I remember when they start when they started. Uh, he was writing for Next, and I was writing for Get Out. And we got really close, like, hanging out. And then one day I just turned to him because he was putting some mess on his face. And I was like, I'm your drag mother now because I'm not standing for this anymore. <laughs> um, and I um, then took him under my wing. And I, at that time I had a show at Boots and Saddle. And I was like, uh, you are forced to work here every Monday. I'm giving you a job. I'll pay you out of my own pocket. And I did for uh, over a year just because I wanted to see that talent flourish. And then that like year, we grew to be super close. I mean, when I travel, he comes with me a lot. When I, you know, like he is an amazing support system too. As much as I'm supportive for him and every, you know, pageant he helps me with and supports me in everything I do. Like he's true family outside of drag and in it. It's incredible. And last but not least, Miss Safira. Oh, that's my soulmate. It's like not even like. <laughs> a thing like you know um we're, she's the gal to my oprah i you know I, I i sometimes like get emotional talking about her uh it's just like she's she's my favorite human being in the whole world yeah well the first time that i uh saw her happened to be um a night that you and i briefly worked together back in october when i produced enough is enough which was the fundraiser for gays against guns right um how do dragon politics go hand in hand they should. I mean, if your drag does, has nothing to do with the, you know, state of the world, then, like, but why? Is it just to be pretty? Like, girl, then become an Instagram queen. Like, yeah. you know, like, but if you're going to perform, you you know, um, Stanford Meisner said, that, I mean, and it's like a pull off of a Shakespeare quote, but that uh, art is just a mirror to life. And I think that if you're not holding a mirror to what is going on in your life and in the lives of other people, then you're missing the mark. Yeah, well, thank you again for doing that fundraiser for us. We made a lot of money that For way. sure. I hate guns. I, anything I Me could too. do to end that, um, I, I'm saying this on 
you know, heir to any way you would ever call me. I'm a stand for the things that I really believe in. And I'm willing to like literally break myself in half even when I don't have time to use my art to change the world, yeah. you know, in any way I can. That's great. I love that. If you could change one thing from your early drag career, if anything, what would it be? Um, I think that, and, and mind you, I, I think that what I was creating was exactly what I needed to be creating. Um, however, younger queens never get this, and I wish I did. You don't know anything. I wish I just started in a place, that, like, and I got there, and I got coachable. And when you're coachable, like, you're, like, or directable, like, you're able to learn and grow. But when you step out in a wig and heels and you just think that you know it all and you are the freshest thing to hit the runway, there's really nowhere to grow. If you celebrate yourself so hard, you don't leave anybody else room to celebrate you. Um, and, I mean, definitely, I don't think that I had a big head, but... It, I definitely wasn't like, this is my way and this is how it's done. And, and there are certain things that you should have. But I think that now I've learned to have my non-negotiables, which are things that I won't do, instead of having like a closed mind to things that I could try. Yeah. Now, with Drag Race, drag has become super mainstream, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's almost saturated the scene a little bit with the younger drag queens. Do you think it's okay to be a little competitive in the drag scene? I love competing. I think it's great. Um, I, for me, just love the feeling when I like work so hard on my drag, and I get to hold it up to other girls and win, lose, or draw. Don't get me wrong. I always learn something. I always come out a better performer. You know, um, it's it's just it's just how it goes. Like this competition and everything. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as having a theater background, you're used to it. You know it. Right. And you walk into the room, you're one of hundreds, and you're all competing for a role. And if you're trying to be your personal best at what you want to do, sometimes being your personal best is going to be holding up your art to others and comparing it. And that's the only thing I'd see competition as, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is a community of sisterhood. And how do you think you play a part in being a supportive sister? I love drag so much that... When I'm off, I still go see people's shows. <laughs> like, especially since I've moved to Hell's Kitchen, it's like people see me every day. Um, also, um, I've always been there for anybody who needed any help of any sort um, and whatever I have to offer. I'm super busy, but I will like make time to show bet your rents or your fundraisers or loan you this costume or help you out with this booking. I feel like I'm the girl you call when you're like, girl, I can't pay my rent. I need a booking. All right, girl, let me squeeze you in and put this here and do this there. And I've had the opportunities to do that as a show director at The Monster for five years now. Um, yeah, it's been, yeah, I think that's how I've helped my sisters out. That's incredible. Yeah. Where do you see your drag in five years? Wow, where do I see my drag in five years? I think that the possibilities are so limitless that I've kind of, um, I would have been able to answer that question uh, a month ago. However, right now, um, I've decided to not carry any past expectations into my future, and I have a blank space that's just ready to be painted all over. I love um, that. I so, like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. If you could perform anywhere in the world, where would you want to perform? If I could perform anywhere in the world where I want to... Even if it's somewhere you've already performed. Um, well, I mean, Berlin is the, my favorite place that I've ever performed at. Um, and, well, outside of America. And I love, love, love performing in Key West. It's the most amazing experience ever. 
Um, but if there was somewhere that I'd never been, um, on a Broadway stage. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying I want to write a musical about drag that's not about um, traveling a country or based off a movie. So There I'll, you go. Hello. We're making it happen. Yeah. What is your go-to karaoke song? My go-to karaoke song is You Somebody by Kings of Leon. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that song. Love that. If you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? <sighs> who would it be my partner on me? Um... Whoa, that's real. Uh, who would be my partner on Amazing Race? Um, I think Tina Burner, actually. Really? Now, she would that's annoy cool. the fuck out of but me the whole TV. time. But it'd be good TV. We would argue half the time, but we would get shit done. You know, like, yeah. Or Holly Day, because that would just be funny. We would be wasted the whole time. We would lose, but we'd have a good time. Now, would you be the one, like, doing all the eating challenges or, like, the height challenges? Um, it depends on if I'm with Tina Burner or Holly Day, because if I'm with... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so eating or what challenges? Or like the heights. Like if you have to like jump off something. Um, yeah, that's me. I would, I, I'd be the height challenge. I mean, look at this waistline. I'm a 28. <laughs> I'm on a strict diet of prep and power bottoms. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'd definitely be like the, you know, athletic one. Amazing. Well, we do something called the Pop 5 Rapid Fire, where I'm going to give you five pop culture things, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to say the first thing, phrase, story, whatever you want to say about it. Cool. First up is Eurovision. Awesome. I mean, I've never been a huge like watcher of it, but I do remember a couple years back, like maybe five or six, there was that song, uh, Euphoria by Lorene, and it's still one of my favorite songs. Nice. Yeah. Number two is Dear White People. Um, yeah, I saw the movie. I have not watched the show, but the movie was so violent that that's all I'll say. <laughs> Number three is SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants is an amazing part of my life. In fact, I love SpongeBob so much. When I moved to college, my whole entire room was SpongeBob. My sheets, <laughs> my curtains, my toothbrush, my alarm clock. I mean, getting laid in that room was kind of hard, but I mean, the whole room was SpongeBob. Now, did you ever perform like the fun song in a, me- a mix? No, but that would be that, hilarious. That'd be fun, yeah. yeah. Now, I think you have a pineapple tattoo now. I do have a pineapple tattoo. It's not dedicated to SpongeBob only, but it's also not not dedicated to SpongeBob. Um, I have a pineapple tattoo, which is it's a, it's a, it means a lot of things actually. Um, Pineapples are, like, honestly just the best fruit. Yeah. Um, it's sweet on the inside and it has a crown on top, which is kind of like me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and um, also, um, it uh, it um, also symbolizes another thing, which is uh, the first time that I ever uh, considered auditioning for RuPaul's Drag Race was in a room with uh, Manila Luzon and Sahara Davenport. And Manila Luzon's like big her pineapple thing. Yeah. And I've always wanted my like pineapple adventure. And so I got it tattooed to like ask the universe for it to grant me my big pineapple adventure. And I think it's my favorite fruit. I know it's my favorite fruit. And yeah. just symbolizes so many other things in my life too. And that's what a tattoo should do. Yeah. It's always a constant reminder. Yeah. Number four is Avengers Infinity War. Haven't seen it, but everything that Marvel makes is genius. So 
Did you ever want to be like a superhero? Uh, yeah. In fact, one year for my birthday, my husband made me into a superhero. I was it was like the Amazing Adventures of Honey Davenport, and I was this like big superhero. And he, him, and my friend Flip Kiki made like a whole comic book with oh, my pictures. So cool. it, was, it was the best thing ever. <laughs> now, if you weren't Honey Davenport, the superhero, like what? Who would you be? Oh, if I wasn't Honey Davenport, um, I would. What was your superpower be? I mean. Unlimited drink tickets. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, mind control is the best thing I wish yes, I had. Yes, I like that. I actually also um, once was in a superhero uh, uh, YouTube series called Jezza and the Bells. Just look it up. I looked terrible. <laughs> um, but it's so old. It was an awesome like um, YouTube series like five episodes and we were uh three sisters and i say that with quotation marks i know you can't see me um and uh we have been given special powers by this intergalactic queen and they were all all the powers were set off by different jewelry pieces and mine was basically like night crawler teleportation oh, cool. i could like twist my uh wristband and like um sorry my bracelet and re- and disappear and reappear anywhere i want to oh cool it's kind of cool look it up it's an amazing thing to laugh about because <laughs> she looks rough. But <laughs> and it was me and uh, Tiramisu Rice. You know, have you ever, ever, no, I haven't. Uh, incredible queen and this uh, another queen named uh, Jezebel. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if she still does track, but she wrote and produced it. Awesome. And last but not least, number five is Pride. Oh my gosh, uh, a lot of I have a lot of feelings on Pride. Um, the strongest one is that I think that we should move it more towards what it was started as. It mm-hmm. probably was started as a protest. And there's a lot of things we still have to fight for. Um, and I think that we should be really focused on that fight, but we should really still enjoy the time and the celebration we have. I think that the people tear it down because it is like drinking and drugs and sex. And yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Gay people like that. And we could celebrate that we do. When you've closed off a people, a group of people, and you've made... You know, the way they make love and have sex, like, you demonized it. So, yeah, a big part of our pride is that I'm pride about, the, you know, the fact that I love sucking dick. Um, and I, you know, I think that it should be that way. I should be able to walk in the street naked and make out with boys, and that should be a part of pride. Um, I do also think that we should include parts of our fight back into it. It would be awesome to see some kind of like meetings or movements or something or fundraisers, things we could do that pours back into our community. Right now, it doesn't really pour back into our community. In fact, there's a charge for our community. Bars have to pay $10,000 to put a float in a pride parade, Damn. which is insane. Most places can't afford that. Um, also, 90% of the parade now is businesses advertising to the pink dollar mm-hmm. you know it's like when did bank of america get a spot in the pride float now mind you bank of america if you're considering hiring me i will take your money but <laughs> um like when like when did it become about that like yeah. that's you know kind of insane to me but i mean there are lots of prides that aren't about that new york city being the first and one of the biggest i feel like we've lost some focus on what this was about I, I agree with that. And I think, you know what, there's a way to get it back. and Yeah. It's just getting out there and being vocal and making it work. Yeah. Making it happen. So what we do on the podcast is I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Okay. So this is a question from Coco Taylor. Oh, nice. If you could go back to a pivotal point in your life, 
something that changed your life, what would you tell yourself now? If I can go back to a pivotal point in my life, something that changed my life, what would I tell myself now? Um, oh my gosh, there's so many pivotal points in my life. Um, I'm trying to think if it would be a good one or a hard one. I mean, the hardest thing I've ever experienced was losing Zahara Davenport. She was truly and honestly the first person to like unconditionally believe in my art. Um, I would tell myself it's going to be okay. I felt like it was the end. And I would love it if I can go back and tell that honey that like you're never going to lose this person. It's always going to be a part of you. And it's only going to make you stronger. Yeah. Now is your turn to ask my next guest a question about anything you want. Uh, next guest. And this is something that I believe in and stand by. It's something that Lady Gaga actually gave me. Um, <laughs> I actually have a tattoo. A Gaga tattoo. It says Princess Monster. Yes. Um, because when she wrote Joanne, she wrote it to heal her family's pain. And it showed me that art can heal and like it can be so much bigger than the show so my question to your next guest is how do you plan to use your art to heal fix or change any part of the world you live in i love it yes i'm excited for this answer well if you've gotten this far in the podcast use hashtag let's go with pineapple hashtag pineapple now where can we find you on social media you can find me at the honey d on all social media amazing well thank you for being a part of this thank you (laughs) The biggest thanks to Honey for stopping by. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.